Welcome back to Following Dolan a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 79, and we have a full episode of interludes to do in Oathbringer. We've just finished part three of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. How are we doing after last week? We had a we had a long episode. How's our mental uh, mental thoughts going? Uh, I'll start with you, Elliot. L- little mind blown after the the ending to to part three there, but uh, we get a a little bit of a breather, I guess, in our interludes. Although I feel like these ones are are pretty darn relevant to to what's going on in in the world. So it wasn't like we could completely check out for these interludes, but. It was, it was a little bit of a breather. Yeah, that's true. How about you, Paul? I am uh, a little disappointed, <laughs> right? Because there's no, there's no Zeth interlude, so that's always sad. Once again, we haven't had that in a long time. Uh, but I, I'm I'm doing well. Um, this was definitely a change of pace from last episode with uh, the end of part three. So uh, a little more smooth, but definitely not... Uh, there's definitely ha- there's a lot of uh I think new theories at least for me which I'm excited to talk about going into this episode so pretty exciting also so this week on our mug we have another surgeon right another surgeon and this week on our mug is dun da da Thane I think that's how you we we're saying it Thane and this week I uh, can congrats you're on a pentatonics mug so. Mm. Um, as we get nearer to the holiday season, I guess you could listen to some pentatonics Christmas music if you want. Kind of funny and odd. Um, also, I'm beginning to run out of mugs. If you would like to send one to me, let me know. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Thane, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you. All right, Paul, do you have two words to summarize uh, this episode of Interludes we have? Of course, of course. Uh, well... What if I asked you to give two words for once, Trevor? I because you've you you know you've been honest about these words for so long. I think it's time you you started to show that you could do it too. So I'm gonna Uno reverse you here. I I respect the Uno reverse, and I will I, I will do so. But you've you've had two really easy words that you could have just gone for these these interludes, and that's uh, no Zeth. You could just go with no Zeth as your two That's words, true. but mm-hmm. I will I will go with the two words of meaningful details, okay. and then I will throw it to Elliot for your two words. I'll I'll add to that ambition and capture. All right, ambition and capture, and no Zeth. Let's talk about these four words in our interludes. All right, I'll go ahead and start us because I never start us and I supplied some words. I'm going to talk about meaningful details in this episode and we'll get to them. I want to get some cool reactions when I when I highlight the details because I'm going to bet that you neither of you picked up on them, but I will I will talk about them when we get there, but meaningful details, that's all I have. Elliot. My my two are ambition and capture. For ambition, 
is mostly for Venley. We're learning that I think a lot of the motive behind Venley's action is her ambition. She wants to make a difference. She wants to be where things are happening. She wants to be powerful. So we're, we're starting to understand her a little bit more, which is really helpful for me. Before, we were seeing things mainly through Eshenai's kind of eyes, and it was it was kind of like, Venley, why would you do that? Like, that was stupid, you know, sort of thing. Getting to see a little bit of kind of why she's doing what she's doing is helping me understand her as a character better, and it seems like ambition is part of that. Um, Mraze seems to be off doing some rather uh, ambitious stuff. I, that was actually the most interesting of the interludes for me, so well, I'm curious to talk about that one. And then capture, Mraze may have just captured somebody. We see a really odd interlude with someone who's been captured. That was by far the most confusing one. And then I have a new crazy theory about capturing, which I'm not going to spoil just yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll drop it on you here shortly. Sounds good. I actually want to start with interlude eight. We'll talk about our two interludes that aren't Venley, and then we'll come back and just talk about Venley. And then maybe we can close out the episode with your theory, Elliot. So we'll we'll start with the interlude that you thought was the most interesting. And I don't know which one you were interested to talk about, Paul. But this one, on as a face value, if you don't really pay attention to this interlude, you don't get much out of it. But as soon as you start to think about, wait a minute, who's actually in this scene? You get way more out of it. So quick summary of this interlude just as a as the scene goes we get introduced to mem she's a laundry lady for marais and she's doing marais's laundry and she's kind of musing to herself of oh my new my new laundry girl palm she's really pretty what is she doing here she does like pretty girls don't come do laundry like they, they don't last that long and like as laundry girls, Maurice walks in and says, Aha, I found you. You better find a new laundry girl because she's not coming back. And that's the whole scene. <laughs> so what did you guys gather from this? I might be forcing this one, but we've we've talked recently uh, I'm on the lookout for some very specific people because we know they're out there and we know they're around, but we seem to have only seen a few. And the people I'm talking about are the Heralds. Okay. And that is what jumped to mind here when I read this scene with the washer lady's assistant whose name is Palm. She she enters Marais's room. She like freezes when she sees the paintings, the portraits of the heralds. She then attacks one of those paintings, and then she's about to just walk away when Marais says, "I know where Tenelot Telenelot is," or something like that, and that freezes her in her tracks and causes her to stay. So that is just enough 
relating to the heralds to make me wonder if this isn't one of them. Okay. Paul? Well, <clears throat> I am on the same train of thought right now as Elliot. If you would really like to know what my initial thoughts were. Okay. I'm going to slightly derail us, but it will bring us back before I end my point. Um, do you remember when Shalon was kind of learning her, like, illusion ability where, where she was making herself look like others, right? Yeah. And didn't she, she kind of infiltrated was Amarium's quarters, right? Yep. For whatever reason, I because she, I don't remember if she was va like as Vale or just as some, she was as some like servant girl or whatever. I thought she was just like reflecting one of them. My first thought of reading this was this was from the perspective of one of the other people who were there. With mm. fake oh, okay. Shalon, but I was—I don't think that really adds up or whatever. But that was kind of where my mind was. I was like, "Are we seeing perspectives of other people who like, oh, the new servant girl's here or whatever, and it's actually Shalon, and she doesn't know who she's actually supposed to be, but she just runs off, and everyone's like, oh, she's gone, and it's just confusing." That was where my mind was. I don't think that actually matters. I think this is a herald, or at least someone else important. Um that may come into play later that it like, I don't know, maybe a book and a half from now we'll see. And we'll be <laughs> like, where do, where have we seen this person before? And we'll go back to this random interlude and be like, it was palm. Like what the heck? And so, um, to, yeah, th to tack on to, to tack onto that, Paul, I also do actually think we've seen this person before. I was going to talk about this. If you didn't talk about it, <laughs> Oh man. So I I agree with you. This is gonna be one of those interludes we come back to way later of like, aha, there she is. But I think this is actually the second time we're seeing this person. And the one it, it and it's all based off of the the slashing of the painting. Because we've seen someone who slashed paintings before. Way of Kings interlude, maybe even like the first set of interludes it might even be i think it's the third set but yes okay so so wave kings wave kings interludes we got one of two like thugs following along with who they called the mistress yep and she was just like yes. going through a palace wrecking paintings and they were like yeah this lady's crazy but she pays us good so we do it do you remember what else they thought about her I did not. I should have gone back and reread that, but I did not actually. The only other thing that I'll mention here is they thought she was really pretty. Mm, yeah. And they thought she was a lethe. Which do... is conspicuously missing in this interlude that we're talking about here. But that's because everybody in the room is a lethe. So, well, sort of. Sort of and sort of not. There's a reference in this interlude that talks... Maybe I'm thinking about something else. I'd have to look it up. I think in this interlude, there's a reference to her being of like mixed Eastern and Western heritage or, or origin or race or she something like that. Yeah, she has dark 
like dark skin so and then yeah. her hair doesn't match or something like that yeah so anyway i think they might be the same person so trevor what you're saying on of of looking for the same person is this is a girl who is pretty and alethi so we're narrowing it down to that <laughs> yes that's like everybody in the world down to you know a solid 10 percent of the population so yeah true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay but um, the my my remembrance of that interlude, by the way, from the Way of Kings, was that what we saying that that the mistress was like the Night Watcher, or that was like the alleged. Is this the Night Watcher? I remember talking about that. Anyways. I I remember talking about that too, but I feel like you guys were fairly uninformed at that point. So we we were. I yes. still feel fairly uninformed, but yes, <laughs> that's fair. All right, so there's a couple other tidbits in this interlude. When Palm starts attacking the painting, Marais walks in. What does Marais call her? Ancient one, I think is what yes. he says. Yes, he walks in and says, oh, it only took buying the the art collection of blah, blah. I don't remember what he says, but the ancient art collection to summon you, ancient one. And then right when she's about to leave, he says, I know where Talenalot is. And that's what makes her turn around. So there's more to Palm than meets the eye here. For sure. I, I also took some more simpler takeaways from this, this chapter. The first of which was just that they're in Vedanar, which is maybe not of super interest, but it tells us where Marais is assuming this is in the similar timeline of our other events of the book. Right. It actually tells us that Marais is not like in Eurythiru at this moment, or he's not sneaking around the Battle of Kolinar or something like that. He's actually off doing some other things, maybe tracking down heralds or who knows what's, what he's actually doing, but they're, they're invaded arm. So that, that goes on the, the written down notes. And if you just kind of t- tying Marais to somebody else, Marais is using Shalon's family as leverage against Shalon, and Shalon's family is presumably in Vadenar. So, the only other thing I took away from this chapter was a question, and that question is, what is ether? There, in the 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 way this scene opens up, the washer lady is trying to scrub a stain out of these red pants, which apparently belong to Marais. <laughs> and she's trying to clean out blood. That's not a surprise. We know what Marais gets up to. And some sort of like oil stain. And then Marais makes a comment like towards the end. He's like, oh, good. You got the ether out of my pants. What is ether? It's just some ether. Come on. Sure. I mean, (laughs) traditionally in like mythology, ether is like the like fifth element, if you will, or like kind of this unknown mystical like, oh yeah, magic uses ether. I'm I'm talking about like you know ancient Greeks. That's like how they saw, or that was just a term they used for. Stuff that's not earth, fire, water, 
air. There's like also ooh ether. So it, in in general like terms, if you're looking up in the dictionary, you're going to get some kind of a of a description of like magical substance that's like of the celestial bodies or something weird like that. So are we dealing with some sort of a strange magical substance that's ether or is this just simply like i don't know some sort of chemical that he uses to do who knows what it might not be important but i've learned in the past that sometimes the things that don't seem like it might be important tend to later on be important so this is going in the question book sounds good anything else That was it on that one. All right, let's jump to Sheeler. Sheeler finds himself in the custody of a Herdazian officer, and he's being charged with a fairly serious crime. We're assuming that he's being put to death here. His options are put to death, put to death, or covered in oil and we have to wrestle a hog. And what we realized in the last two lines of the uh, chapter, it's not actually a hog. It's a huge beast coming out of the ocean. But they call it a hog. And that's the whole interlude. I got through this whole interlude the first time. And I'm thinking, like, what? That's it? (laughs) Like, I totally followed the whole logical progression of all of that. It made perfect literal sense. But why is any of this in any way relevant to our story? Like, at all? The only thought I had about this, like, the only I would consider a notable thought, like like you're saying, it makes logical sense, I guess, but, like, why... Why are we being shown this? What's happening? Exactly. Is I feel like we've seen glimpses, like literally glim- just glimpses into into these like oceanic areas, like either coastal or like on these islands. Cause they were I don't remember who the person was we were following, but in an interlude we end up on an island, interlude and think in words of radiance. We end up on an island and that's where they find the like what is it? The little like dragon creature that's alive that can suck stormlight from people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very like rare creature, right? Um, there was also the scene. Wasn't it a story that Sigzel tells about like a coastal area where basically instead of being strung up for a high storm, you're like strung up over the edge of the ocean, waiting for this big beast to come kill you or whatever that was kind of like the death sentence right uh, it just seems like all these coastal areas have a lot of whack stuff going on which is really crazy uh, and i don't know i feel like each we see these random glimpses and i can't help but think that they will somehow come together but i don't know how or what that, that i'm only making connections to we have seen other oceanic places that are really wild and seem almost like Just a completely different society, like so. There, so there's two, really two things that you should get out of this episode, and one I'll have to spoon feed you because it's really hard to find if you don't have a Control F button. Two, uh, it's uh, 
the, I'll start with the second one is that cultural and societal borders and differences don't stop with the end of the world is what's is what's being told here. The Herdazians have a very different culture than the Alethi. The, this Alethi guy is run to the Herdazians and he doesn't understand any of their culture and he's stealing from them to try to, he claims that he's like a refugee and they should be helping him, but they don't care. And the, you kind of get the, the thought that Herdazians don't really like Alethi. Um, and this Alethi guy's kind of just feels entitled to the Herdazian stuff because he's a, a refugee and they're caught catching him for stealing and basically putting him to death for it. The second, or I guess back to the first one, have we seen anybody in this scene before? I was trying to figure that out as I was reading it through the second time and taking my notes and I did not get a chance to go and like search for this guy's name to see if it shows up before. So I, I don't recall this guy at all. He does name drop Amaram at some point. He does. But we also know that Amaram at one point was like associated with provinces in the very northern reaches of Alethkar. That's where Kaladin is from. So for a minor bright lord, you know, princely person to be having, you know, cross the border and getting caught doesn't seem, you know, too crazy to me. So I didn't come across anything I I remembered us seeing before. So back in Kaladin flashback chapters in the Way of Kings, Kaladin and Tien are put into Sheeler's company. Mm. This is Kaladin's old commander in like young Kaladin flashback chapters. This is, and he says the, he name drops Amaram and says, my cousin is a high Lord Amaram. So he's Amaram's cousin who is in Amaram's army, like under, under Amaram. And he had his own company and Kaladin and Tian were put into this company. This is Kaladin's old, commander who put Tien and all of the the young boys at the front which gave Kaladin so much PTSD moving forward so um that's where this guy has been name dropped before we've never actually met him before this but that that's who this guy is is Kaladin's old commander I, I still don't see why we care that he gets eaten by a crab. I was going to say, is this just like poetic justice? Are we just seeing a little bit of... Just... The guy was a, a scoundrel and dies, like... Just carry with you that not everybody likes the Alethi, cool. and the Herdazians are fairly quick to put him to death over something mm. fairly trivial. Okay. I was also trying to catch the name of the Herdazian general in this chapter... And I think it's very intentionally left out. He's always referred to as the Herdazian general. And because I figured that might be a name that I care need to care about going forward, but there was no name to write down to care about going forward. It's because it was Lopin. Clearly. Or was it was Beard Herdazian? Well, I think I just think of him like Lopin. He wasn't actually Herdazian, was he? He was a lefty. He was in Colonar. Okay. Rest in peace, Beard, from last episode. Rest in peace, Beard. 
All right. Anything else from those two before we move on to Venley? Nothing. All right. The war to take back or take Kolinar as the Voidbringers has finished. Kolinar has fallen, and Venli now has the job of touring Roshar as the prophet of of the Voidbringers, basically. Odium has told her to go do a tour, a, a victory tour of, look what we've accomplished, go live your lives for your children, go live your lives instead of for the Alethi, go do the same work that you were doing, but instead it's for you. We freed you. This is what the listeners did. You're now singers, call yourselves that, and this is who you are. That's that's her task. What are you guys' thoughts on Venley here? I I thought the envoy form that she's in was was pretty cool it's described as being one of the forms of power like one of the special ones that you have to be a special Argenti person to have access to and then the ability that that comes with is like the ability to speak and understand all languages which is pretty cool I mean that's pretty handy where have we seen something similar to like that before Was it the day of recreants, or in 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 one of Dalinar's visions we saw? Not a vision. Dalinar goes and meets with the Azish, touches the guy on the shoulder, and understands his language. Mm. It's a bondsmith power. That's right. Okay. So Venley second bondsmith confirmed. Pretty yeah, pretty sure we can just go from A to Z right there and just be like, you know, she's a she's a bondsman. She's gonna become so she's like kind of under odium now, right? And he's like the who she's bonded to. Yep. And then he she's kind of that like, you know, fulfilling our like one to one ratio, right? So it's perfect. We, we solved we solved that one, yep. Moving on. Thank you so much. So Dalinar Venley showdown at the end of the book to save the world. Yes. Well, that's exactly. that's book five, like the end of book oh, five, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, naturally. End of this book will be Kaladin Moash. End of fifth book will be Dalinar Venley, because we still have Venley's book next book. That's true. So, true. I will say. So what I'm. So far, I have not been invested in Venley at all. You're um, not alone. I don't. I not don't many readers really... are invested in Venley at this point. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not like whoa, like a Venley interlude, exciting. I was really upset there wasn't Seth, but also I was like, I don't know. I may have almost in my head preemptively, I was like, I may have like rather seen something else than more Venley stuff right now. But I am grateful for these because I think we need a little bit of setup if we're about to have Venley's book. Um, in once we finish this. Um, I want to get more invested, and and I did, I did through this. It did a good job. Um, one thing that from this chapter that was most notable to me was she describes the three, I guess, tiers or levels of the Parshendi. There are, or of the singers, right? There's the singers, who are kind Which of is, normal. they could use the like normal forms. The singers, yeah. Let let me break this for down for you. The singers are the race of 
Mm-hmm. Like they call themselves the singers. That's what you've always assumed as the parchment, the parshendi, all of the singers encompasses everybody. And then a step up from that is the regals. And that is a singer who has bonded a spread into their gem heart. And it, uh, it gives them new forms of power, which is basically what the Everstorm did is they returned, um, spread that can, they can now bond with to return their forms with me so far. Yes. Now the third step is the fused. These are the ancient spread that when they come back, they not only bond with your gemstone, they bond with your body and take it over and kill you. Oops. Sorry. That's what the listeners were afraid of back in the day of why they didn't want their gods to return is because the fused kill them and use their bodies as hosts. So you can be a, you can have a bonded spren, which is what Venli has. She has a void spren in her gem heart, but she is not one of the fused. And in fact, she resisted one of the fused in one of her early interludes. And, uh, that's why they were. Yeah. Anyway, any questions? My my crazy theory is going to play into some of this, but let's talk a little more about Venley, and then I'll come back to it. Okay. I have a question for you guys. In these Venley interludes throughout this book, how have the and actually in the part part one of Oathbringer as well. How do the void spren play into this? As far as we've learned in the last three books, the Knight's Radiant spren kind of pick a Knight's Radiant and then come into the physical realm and start talking to people. Um, the void spren kind of seemed opposite of that, where the Everstorm kind of just returned them all and they're all kind of doing their own thing. And they're guided like they're not bonded to anybody is what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say. There's there's Spren everywhere gui- guiding all the Parshmen to Kolinar and interrogating Kaladin and stuff like that. And they've been or there's been a Spren guiding Venli around the the world, basically, um, telling her where to go and stuff like that. So they're not really bonded to anybody. So, so this actually plays into my theory. So, so let's just go ahead and, and have it out. The so so regal so the Venley, right? The difference I'm noting here with our our singers and Venley, and I think like the Regals in particular, right? Venley has bonded a Spren, but it's not like Calden and Sill where they they work together or they like have conversations it appears that venley's spren is trapped or captured inside her gem heart and it's it's strictly like it has to stay in there it doesn't get to you know bounce around like silver pattern does right and the 
the comparison I think of is the fabrials that our Alethi engineers are are working on. Um, you know, we've got Navani and all her artifabrians who are off making like cool things. We've recently learned that they do this by imprisoning a spren into the gemstones that they create the fabrials from, or at least that's kind of the implication that we've picked up on. And we've even gotten some like aversion to this from filler pattern or somebody's kind of like, you know, briefly hinted at like, is that okay that we're trapping spren inside these gems in order to get them to keep the room warm or keep the water flowing or those types of things. What's happening in the in Venley seems like it might be a similar mechanism of she's taken a spring, she's trapped it inside of her, and I'm contrasting that to Kaladin. Kaladin has not trapped or captured Syl. He's been chosen by her, and in return, you know, sort of chosen her back, pretty much. Right. In, in a sense that, you know, compare that to like Teft. Tef's apparently been chosen by a spren in a similar manner, but he's sort of failing to choose the spren back and like pursue that relationship. Kaladin is doing that with with Sil, where they've built and they've progressed that relationship. Also, enter into the equation, we have Asadan. Asadan has managed to take what appears to be a spren captured in a gemstone and sort of force a bond to that in some way of yeah almost becoming a a parshendi a a singer in the process it's like she's created for herself a gem heart that has a spren captured in it and it's now turning her into a void bringer what if that process like is the original way singers were created it was simply humans who saw hey you person over there have this bond with this spren that gives you magical powers i want that bond so i'm gonna go force a spren to bond with me to work with me by capturing it in a gem attaching that gem to myself which acident appears to have figured out and therefore gain these powers but that being a sort of like a bastardized version of what it's supposed to be. It's maybe that's the that's the cheating version of the bond that like Kaladin and Syl have. So that was a very long-winded <laughs> roundabout way to kind of get to I I think what we might be seeing here is a potentially the origin story of the singers. Or, and also, the fact that this relationship that is with these trap spren is a version of what Kaladin and Syl have, but it's not like the way it was meant to be. It's it's forced and exactly twisted. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that would explain why it's like a marred version of of what we know with the Night's Radiant. I, I really like that, by the way, Elliot. And, and reading this in Relude had me thinking a lot about specifically Asadan, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we saw her basically become like a void bringer or like a fused or in real time. Yeah. Like yeah. you saw spikes like we were... coming out of her in real time. <laughs> exactly. And 
so yeah it made me think like did we see is this how someone becomes like were the parshendi initially like human mm-hmm. and were like were they just corrupted or did someone force corruption by like trying to capture a, a spren or things like that but also like so these are void spren, right? It's not like normal spren. How does that come into play? That's what I quite don't because because that makes it sound like at least with this. My thought was like a person trying to force this bond or to force to capture a spren in a gemstone or things like that. But this notion of void spren and basically like what's happening, it makes me assume that it's the other way around and that it's like a, a spren that's trying to force this bond. But I don't know how that gets started or what. It's it's kind of a mess in that respect. Maybe I misunderstood what you were saying, Elliot. Did you even point that out like one way or the other if like this was a potentially like a person that tried that that's trying to like create this relationship or this bond or the other way around or like that, that's kind of what i'm thinking of is perhaps uh, this is all conjecture but perhaps the the relationship of the regal to their spren is what happens when a person human or, or otherwise tries to you know forcefully capture a spren by trapping it in a gemstone and like artificially creating that bond. It's a really good theory. I really like it. And it does like, in my mind, it adds up to why what we see is partly like a copycat version and partly Mm -hmm. either inferior or like, yeah, like marred or corrupted version of, of our, Nile Nile bonds, right? Oh yeah, good reference to that name that we haven't heard for a really long time. I we we know that like the Parshman could you know have offspring, right? So we, there were references to that we've we've seen Parshman children. So maybe this is something that like kind of way 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 back in the distant future, someone did this for the first time and and almost created like an offshoot race that has since then over you know many many years become a whole separate thing so it's not like every parchment was a human who tried to do this no they're they're kind of their whole you know self-sufficient race at this point but maybe this is like the origin of that and how it originally happened and as asadan just proved can still be done that's what i was thinking like they were the initial however many mm-hmm. years ago um, that this happened and that progressed to the Parshendi as we know them as a, a standard like race. Um, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, I, I as of right now, I mean, I don't have another idea as to how that could have ever happened. It's just kind of assumed that they are just a race that have been around since the beginning of time, right? But we don't know if it's some kind of twisted version or what. So. So, so I don't know if that answers or even addresses anything that you were asking about, Trevor, but that is my, my new crazy theory that goes in my ever-growing list of crazy theories. 
I really like it. I don't think on a first touch, I don't think on my first read I would have been anywhere thinking anywhere near that. So that's pretty cool. In Interlude 11, Odium pays Venli a visit and it's rather aggressive. Uh, he's not uh, wasting any time here. He shows up and basically melts her face off in this vision and says, you are mine and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the whole thing. Is that not what happens to you guys when you walk into your boss's office for you know, <laughs> instructions? Uh, <laughs> Melt you into oblivion as I tell you what you need to do. We should fire the other guy. That's basically what he was saying, too. Well, that's what Ventley says. You should have saved my <laughs> sister. I'm the wrong uh, yeah. one. Okay, yeah, I had that mixed up then. But that's what I was remembering of, like... Yeah, like, the, the notion of, like... Ash and I is gone. That's, that's who we needed. Right? Not me. Um, so... This, this one was a... A mess, and I, I didn't. We're obviously seeing a very different version of Odium than we saw in Dalinar's vision, right? Because there he was just kind of. It, it was that one was probably more odd because, like, whenever we think of Odium, this was what I was expecting. Yes. Right. I was expecting someone cruel out of the gate, like abusive, right? And, and we saw him as just like a, kind of a mellow, older gentleman, right? And so it was really weird, but. Did you guys pick up on the other entity that's in this interlude? There's three, there's three people here. Well, people, there's three, so there's, uh, things does here. It, does it show her spren? Is yes, it is what I'm talking about. So Venley has a void spren in her gem heart that kind of dances to the rhythms and stuff, lets her hear the rhythms, lets her achieve forms, and celebrates with the Everstorm that comes. But then she also has another spren that kind of lives in her bag, and she doesn't let anybody see it. And it, he comes out, and we haven't heard it say a word or anything like that, but... What are you guys' takeaways from this other spren here? Because there's, it's it's not her spren that lives in her gem heart. She doesn't even talk to that to the spren that gives her forms like that. That just lives in her, and there's no dialogue there. But this spren, she does have dialogue with. So this just makes me think. In my mind, this is the moment we're we're seeing. That to me sets up the biggest potential story arc for her book. Are we gonna see where she bonds an actual sprint? And however the heck that would work. Um and that kind of being her just overall story arc as she bonds bonds a sprint and becomes an actual night radiant as a Parshendi don't know what that would entail, yada, 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 but, like, 
it seems like that's what it's alluding to, that there will be a relationship to grow between them, or some kind of bond between them, so. But I it took reminded, that little nod at that potential. It reminded me of Shallan and Pattern in the, the cabin of the ship, with Pattern, like, just kind of exploring right just kind of bouncing around and I, we were even confused at first because we were like what the heck is this thing and, and why does it not know what it's doing that we're kind of seeing that again there's like a curious little spren that hasn't even said anything yet but it's just kind of like exploring it wants to go look and and venley's like you know having to kind of reel it back in and be like no no no, no. you can't go out there you can't let anyone see you do you guys know what she named it I don't remember. I don't either. She named it Timber. Oh, yeah, that sounds Tim, familiar. Tim, Timbre? Tim, with the R's before the E, so it's like mm-hmm. Tim Timbre. So. Timbre. But in the audiobook, they just call it Timber. Timber. So I do wonder, and, and if I remember correctly... This spren actually came from Eshenai, right? There, we was, had that scene where they, they where found... came across it. Yep. Yeah. They found Eshenai's body down in the bottom of the chasms, and that's where Venli like, first encountered this spren. It seemed to almost like come out of Venli or... No, out of Eshenai and started following Venli around like from that moment. Right. So... It's almost as if like this spren is trying to bond with her, but like maybe it can't quite. Like it's it's almost like maybe it has to like dislodge the void spren that's in her already or something like that to like take the place and bond there instead. So maybe that would be the the pivotal moment, Paul, where she starts like the journey of becoming a knight radiant if this spren is to like somehow compete with the void spread that's already inside her and like maybe win over and that starts her her journey or something like that it of course anytime we see or even considering a, a spread to be like a a radiant spread we we immediately have to put our detective hats on and try and figure out what kind of spread is it and what order of knights radiant are we talking about and I'm I'm a little confused by this one because if we follow this train of thought of like, ooh, is this a a radiant spren? Is this an attempt to you know bond Venli and make her become a knight's radiant? Like, what kind of spren is this? It doesn't seem to be an honor spren. Doesn't seem to be a cryptic. It doesn't seem to be anything we've seen before. And we were just recently kind of going down that list of like what we know and what we've seen, and we've seen quite a few now. But this seems to be a little bit of and like another one. So I don't even, I don't even have a guess as to what, you know, order this might be. It seems like something we haven't seen before. Did we have a physical description much of this one? What do we have to go off of? It's, it's like a glowing orb that like emits little like explosions or pulses when it's doing its thing. And it does so like to the rhythms that Venley's familiar with. Okay. In my mind, that seems most like Truth Watcher. Didn't we see? Oh, like Renarin's, maybe. Renarin's was kind of. It was kind of. 
I only remember it being described as almost like a prism of light, mm. kind of like yep. a glowy little, maybe, yeah. I, I almost envision like a crystal yep. ball or triangle, like prism thing. So that's my only thought. Based off of the name, I didn't actually know if we had a visual description. Whenever she named it Timber, in my head I was like, is this an edge dancer thing? Because we know Wendell... Our edge dancer spread was kind of like vines and earthy. You know, he's a gardener, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and so that was where my thought was. But with that description, that wouldn't really make sense. So that's a good point. Because if it's just totally different, I guess we haven't seen like a stone ward spread technically. And we all are also assuming that our will shaper guess was correct. Also true. Um, which I'm pretty confident in that, but it's not confirmed. So we'll see. Maybe this is still, I don't know. It's difficult. We also haven't really seen a repeat spren, but I'm very much hoping that they line up like that. They're all like roughly the same, like the same, I guess. You've, you've seen a repeat spren with... Uh... Yes, with couple cryptics and uh, Teft and Teft Spren and Sill look similar. Okay. That's true. Enough that I, I'm definitely <laughs> definitely not going to say that that's not a thing because if if it isn't and they could just look like whatever, I would be like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> there goes all my logic for a lot of things. All right, anything else for our interludes nothing else except just to end on the the quote from venley where she says the wrong sister lived and kind of how one insightful that is into venley's kind of mentality right now but also yeah kind of how saddening that is of venley knows that Eshenai is the one who should have been there to take on this incredible role of kind of where she's at and face the really huge decisions and challenges that she's facing. And Venley knows, Venley knows that Eshenai could have done it better. And so now can Venley choose to live up to her sister's example before her? Can she choose to pursue a, a more, you know, honorable path here than just being a, uh, a mouthpiece of odium. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm kind of guessing that's a large part of what the next book is going to be about, but we'll see. We still got a lot of things that could happen before the end of this one. We do have a lot of things that could happen before this one. That's true. All right, Paul, I will leave us with this. I know that you are sad that we have not received Zeth for this entire book he got a cameo literally he had a cameo in edge dancer and we haven't seen anything since kaladin killed him at the end of words of radiance but what if i were to tell you he is a major point of view character for part four of oathbringer and we get zeth chapters next week oh boy would you be okay my worst fear, which I would believe, 
Is that Trevor's just joking right now? And he's trying to get my hopes up, and then it comes to be part cruel. four. Jalan, Kaladin, Dalinar. And then it's... <laughs> no, he's not mentioned at all in the book or something. Oh, my gosh. But that is incredible. If so, then... Oh, man. Woo! This next episode, though? All right, y'all tune in. When you turn that... or yeah, if, Ellie... he, if he is, If he is real... Elliot, well, when Elliot turns that next page, the go ahead and name the the characters on that page, Elliot. Okay. Yeah, I need a little bit of proof. Let's see. It's it's coming up right here. Put Hold his on. money where his mouth is. Okay. Ready, ready, Paul. I'm ready. Part four. Adolin. Shalon. Kaladin, Dalinar, Navani, Zeth, Teravangian, and Venli. Oh, that's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. That's that's several of them. But this is is this our first actual chapter with Zeth? Or did we get that in like a part five of like Words of Radiance or something? You, you have you have a part five Words of Radiance like half a page where he wakes up to nail and that's true that's it that's true. Okay. but besides that you have so, the prologue of the way of kings from zeth and then interludes from zeth and that's it okay well all right i think it's time to go i'll see y'all next week i'm gonna go read <laughs> all right sounds good we can reconvene next week thanks for joining me paul and elliot and it's getting good now